How old are you now? I'm 20. 20. What what year was your rookie year in the PRCA? Last year. Last year. 20. Last year was your rookie year in the PRCA. Yep. So, man, I, I mean, I think about that. I was like, I, I've watched you jackpot now for a little over two years. And this year is different. Right. It's just you're a different guy than you were a year ago, right? Right. Why do you think that is? Um, I'll just kind of give you like a long story a little bit. So in 2019 was my senior year of high school. And uh, from the Lone Star Shootout, I won third with Clay Futrell that year. And we won, uh, I think, like 17000 a man maybe. And then it was just kind of ongoing. That was my permit year to like get to go to the circuit rodeos and stuff. And I ripped with Brian went on that year. And it seemed like we couldn't lose. And I mean, it was, I don't know why, I don't know how, but we just couldn't, we were so hot that year. Like we won all the time. And then we went to the high school finals, Shawnee in the high school finals. I won every jackpot at Shawnee in the high school finals, all the high stakes and set their high school record that year at the high school finals. Um, and then come home, went back to circuit rodeo on and even went out a little bit to some of the closer big rodeos and just still couldn't lose. I think I won 30,000 my permit year. And um, I think a little bit in the back of my mind when I moved to Paul's uh, from from being in Missouri all summer, when I moved to Paul's, I had a, I mean, I've always roped. I've always loved roping, whatever. But I think a little, I was so green and it came so easy to me my permit year. I think a little bit of it was, in the very back of my mind, I thought it would just always come easy. I think I was just kind of like, oh, I won 30000 my permit year. There's no way I'm not going to not set the world on fire my rookie year. I mean, I mean, you would see where it would be fairly easy to do that when you've won all kinds of stuff. I mean, I placed twice at the spoke. That was one of the, you know, the spoke was really starting to get big then. And I won it with Brady Norman. I placed like fifth or sixth with Ryan. Like I won a little over 10000 there. I mean, I just was on fire in 2019. And so, like I said, I think I just kind of got a little lazy with it. I thought it would come easy. And then the end of 2019 didn't end real well. Probably one of the only things I really won was the permit finals. And then the start of 2020, it was just real hard. And it just seemed like I I wasn't working at it like I had used to because I thought it would come easy. And then it went terrible for me. I went out last summer. I headed absolutely terrible. I mean, I, I think I I turned a, a handful of steers for money all summer, a small handful. And I really didn't catch a break until we got to Greeley. Uh, we won the Ram Finals at Greeley. And um, I think one thing I told myself after I moved back down here, um, I remember coming home from the summer and uh, me and Ryan had kind of talked a little bit um, and then coming home from the summer after winning the Ram finals and stuff, and I remember moving back down here, and I told myself, I'm like, look, if you're going to do this, you need to do it because the way you were doing it, that's just the way it's always going to be. There's guys out here that are way less talented and, and, and have had less opportunities, less really good people in their life that are doing better because they're working so much harder. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I mean that's just something I had to tell myself, you know, and so then – when I moved back down here, I told myself, "You need to, you need to do it. You need to, you need to work as hard as you think you can at it." So it was just kind of a mindset thing I did. I did lots of things just for my own mindset. I would make myself wake up every morning at six to six thirty, somewhere around there. 
get my horses fed, everything, because I told myself, I thought, I, you need to be ready to go rope at whatever really good guy calls you that day and wants you to come head for them. You need to be ready to go rope at their house at, at whatever time they call you, whether it's 8 or lunch. Luckily, me and Paul are so tight, um, I, I just had always went and headed for Paul. I mean, Paul, Colby lived far enough away. They didn't really get to practice that much together, so I would always go head for Paul, and I think that I don't – I get – I get kind of a bunch of crap from all my all the, our other buddies like oh you and Paul you guys are you know lovers you know bromance blah 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 I owe a lot of success to him because I think that me just going up there and roping every day and watching how hard he worked at it it you know it made me work at it hard because that it's true the people you're around is what makes you who you are and I honestly think that just every bit of every every little ladder, every little rung on the ladder I've been climbing since then. I think it's because I've just been working at it so hard with him. And next thing you know, I ended up getting rope with Doug. And um, I've known Doug my whole life. He's from Illinois. I'm from Missouri. I mean, we grew up probably three hours from each other. In a roundabout way, we grew up around each other. And so, but I don't think I would have got Doug if he hadn't seen how much I'd been working at it and trying. And Paul was helping me round horses up and helping me get my horses that I had better and stuff like that. And so I think what's honestly changed, What back to your original question, what's changed now between whenever people first saw me was, was it when I was younger, it had kind of come easy to me because I was in high school. And for, for where I was and at my age, it was coming easy to me and I was winning. And I thought that was all I had to do. And then when you get out of high school and you kind of get pitched out with the wolves, you find out where you really are, you know? And so I think I had to dig down deep and find out what I really wanted to be in order to do good. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's so much to that too. Like I, I first of all, how do you know Paul? Like when did you guys first? Like, get okay. To know each other? So, Paul is from Lonedale, Missouri, which is outskirts of St. Louis, probably two and a half hours straight north of my parents in Poplar Bluff. And Paul bought one of his very first roping horses from my dad when I was just a toddler. Uh, they've got a funny story about me walking under that horse in diapers whenever they come to look at him and they just decided to buy him when I walked right under his belly and he didn't kick me. And then Paul would kind of buy some horses for my dad. And I think in like 2008 maybe Paul moved down here I would have only been seven years old when he moved down here and I just always knew who he was he knew my dad and when he would come home from Missouri for ropings or whatever I'd get to see him and he always remembered me you know and I had was fortunate my dad knew my mom and dad both knew that I needed to be down here at a young age to get better to get around the good guys and I was kind of coming down here and roping with some other buddies and stuff and Paul uh, Paul would always say hey come to the house and head for me you know come I always need headers come to the house and head for me and just kind of one thing led to another when I was probably 16 years old I would come to Paul's and head for him a little bit and we just always we kind of got closer and closer and I uh just kind of ended up being his practice partner, I guess you'd say. Right, right. So with Paul, what's the first thing you notice about his day-to-day work ethic? What does that guy do that, you know, when you're around other guys in this area, what does he do that is so different than everyone else? Um, I'm going to say he kind of, like, he wakes up with a purpose. There's never a day where he wakes up just getting through the day. He knows what he's going to do when he wakes up. Um, you know, he wakes up probably every morning pretty early. We've talked about it. I think he wakes up at like five thirty. Uh 
and that guy knows exactly what horses he's going to ride that day and he knows what's he's going what he's going to do on that horse and he knows why he's going to do it and and even with his rope and you know Paul spends the money to have somebody come video our runs and that may sound a little over dramatic but at the end of the day you'll catch Paul over there looking at his phone and he'll be watching the runs we made that day and he can pick out the littlest things, you know, because he's such a perfectionist about all, like every aspect of his roping, whether it's his horses, his riding, whatever. And I think it's pretty cool. You don't ever really see him blame too much of what he's doing on his horse. Usually if his if he's got a finished horse that's doing something wrong, he's the kind of guy that says, well, I should have rode him better out there and he wouldn't have done that or this and that. And I think that has kind of helped me because there's a lot of times as headers say different than healers, our horse might duck. Well, did we crawl out over him and make him duck? I mean, did we show it to him that we were going to throw, you know? And I think there's just little things that being one small detail that I've picked up off him of, you know, knowing, you know, be kind of being a perfectionist, I guess you'd say. Right. How important is it too to, uh, well, like for me, Paul's talking about this and, and I think you're picking up on it too, as well. The, it's in your control. So like heading at a rodeo, everything happens so fast. So like, fast. Like you might miss one and it's like you've missed it. Like what they don't realize is you've missed from the time you've nodded your head and you have missed the steer. It's most of the time and maybe a second, right? I mean, or less than that. Or I mean, that's a pretty good reference area depending on the setup or whatever it is. But most of the time it, it might even be faster than you've missed them. So there's a lot of little variables that you like, ah, oh, well. I think that steer stepped left or he ducked his head and and instead of it being oh that steer step left or steer step right like oh if I'd have rode my horse mm-hmm. a little bit more to the like if I would have set it up better I would have got it if that steer ducked his head I just need to get my rope down and catch that one or whatever it is and you start going to that mindset right is that that that's something like you've been able to to pick up on right you're right and it's not necessarily beating yourself up you know, blaming yourself for everything. It's more or less figuring out what you could have done def- different to do better. You know, it, a guy doesn't need to get his confidence down. I think especially in the heat of the summer, uh, confidence is everything as far as your open goes. Um, but also you got to know when it's okay to say, well, gosh, it, that steer was just hard to get by. Or, man, he was hard to get by. But the better guys, Cody Snow, Caleb Driggers, they would have caught that steer, you know, and that's where, that's the little things that I probably used to wouldn't have picked up on before I've kind of got the attitude that I have now towards my rope. And I used to have been like, oh, that steer was uncatchable. It don't really matter anyways. You know, we weren't going to win the rodeo anyways. Well, yeah, one way it's an excuse. You've got an excuse. Exactly. And the other way, uh, you cannot be, you're right, you cannot be hard on your confidence, right? Because this, that's one of the most important things you've got is if you believe in yourself, it, it, it'll take you really far. But if you believe that you can make the adjustments and you're going to get the next one that'll do that, or if you, you know, if you feel like you need to go home, then you, that's or not home, but you need to work on that in the practice pen until you figure it out. Then you can keep adding to your game without necessarily taking away from your confidence. So you're, you're building on your rope and, and you get that, like that mentality of uh, no excuses, right? No, yeah. No it's, it's almost just learning how to lose. It's learning how to lose, lose the rodeo, but learn a lesson from it, you know? Yep. Losing the correct way, losing exactly. so you build on your game as opposed to, to go on the, the other way, which for you, let's, let's start back because I think I was just saying this today. I think the hardest thing that someone can have is success early. 
especially in the roping industry, because success early means they expect things to happen for them. Exactly. And then they don't know what to do when they get their ass kicked. That was me. I honestly think it was because, like I said, I was a senior in high school, first getting old enough to go to the pro rodeos. And a part of me kind of wakes up in the morning and says, you know, if you want that to happen again, you're going to have to get you're going to have to get back to the top. I felt like I was a senior in high school. I was supposed to be at the top. I was the oldest of all the kids I was waking up. So that's or I was the oldest of all the kids I was roping against. So waking up every morning, I tell myself the only way to get to the top of the guys you're roping against now is to wake up and do the things they're not, you know. Right. Yeah, and and that that's the thing is, you know, if the work ethic it's Clay Tryon said it. Uh, I don't remember if it's a video shoot or a podcast. He's like, when you get to a really high level, the improvements are very subtle. So as you're you're building on your game, you're really not. There's not going to be an aha moment. It's going to be a consistent work at it with with a purpose, right? If you're working at it real hard, whatever you need or your horse needs over enough days, which it it's usually not one or two. It's closer to probably 30 to 90 at um, least yeah of like real consistent work at this one thing like if you're wanting to improve on a specific shot within your head like whether it's running close whether it's a one coil shot on the gain or that shot for months then you can be like it's perfected or it might even take longer it just depends on your horses and you know your skill level or whatever it is but it that that's one of those things it's just being consistent every single day and, and being around guys like Paul and the, you kind of learn how to grind. Right. And that's, that's essentially what, what it is. Right. I, I think that you're exactly right. I think that as far as headers go, it's, it's probably easy to get from a four to a six. Now you talk from a six to an NFR header. That's when it gets hard. Like you said, like the, the more experienced, the more advanced in your rope and you get, the harder it is to get improved, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, if you think about it like this, if you're uh, if you can rope, like you're you're just uh, like a, a number four, if you practice a few times a week and then we put you on a rank head horse, you're gonna be a six fast. fast. If you're just practicing a couple times, like we're saying, you're gonna run ten steer. You got two practice horses and one real good horse. I think in ninety days you're gonna be a six or seven. You not maybe not a seven header because you got to reach, but a, a six header pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. You your horse can do so much for you. Right. But then you're going to hit certain tiers. Like one thing that's really hard about rodeo, and this is what this is what I've watched with you a lot, and I've been. This is why I'm the most excited about it. Like, like I said before, I love to do these podcasts, and I want to do it with guys that like maybe not everyone knows about, but like they're starting to figure it out. Right. And and you're one of those guys because the shots that you can make, you you've got a, a lot of offense, right? You've got a lot of different shots, but when to use them. Right. And understanding like, hey, how do I need, you know, how to get through ropings or how to be at a rodeo and what shots to take? Because there's going to be days where there's easy money and there's going to be days where you it, you just got to be maxing it out the whole time to win something. And you kind of got to know when to, to use both. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one thing you see in almost everybody's articles, podcasts, whatever. Everybody talks about knowing when to, when to catch and when to go fast. And I think that that's part of when you really become an, an open header is knowing, hey, we're at 
the BFI today, it's all about using your horse, set up the run, just go complete the course in, in a sh- as sharp as you can and you'll be all right. Then there's days where you go to like the 3S roping or even like the, how the Wendy Ryan was the other day inside or the Lone Star Shootout or places like that where it's like, okay, you're going to have to be as sharp as you can on the barrier. You need to get ahead of your horse and look for the shot as soon as you can. And that's whenever you got to start doing, you know, sticking your neck out a little bit and doing as much as you possibly can. And I, I think no matter where you're at, you can only do what you know you're capable of doing. And no matter how much you got to stick your neck out, you still have to make the best run you can against your steer. And you you have to do what you, what you know you're capable of doing. If you know you're not capable of reaching three coils, oh, no time's going to for sure win you less than a six flat wheel. You know, at least a six flat's a time on the board. And so I think that's another thing is just making sure that whatever you're doing is you know set up for the roping you know if at the bfi you don't need to try to be five five at the lone star shootout you need to try to be under five five you know but make sure you're capable of doing it whatever it is you're doing right well and i always go to this i love uh the bruce lee quote about don't fear the man that's uh thrown ten thousand punches but the one punch ten thousand times and i looked at that with my roping i was like okay i want to run i want to run that i know that can win but it feels like my horses will stay working and then I want to do that 10,000 times. That's my run. And then build out from there. You know, if I got to be more aggressive or more conservative, I can do, you know, you can add to those and then try to get your 10,000 shots at those other ones and kind of build it out. But that's, you know, you're right in the middle of this as, as a header because you're, well, you're, you're permit year. You, you know, you've, what horses, you got a few You've got some very good head horses, right? And you've had very good success, you know, your first year on a permit. Right. Like winning 30000 on a permit is retarded. Right. Like very, very few times does that ever happen, right? So a lot of things are going your way. But what you start to learn is you, you're rodeoing last summer. There's a lot of different setups. And then last summer, was it was hard. It was very hard. Yeah. And, and so to, to understand that, too, because there's... There's a lot of times where you make runs that would win a lot more money than they did last summer, but there's just so many teams and 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 the rodeos had like big feeling environments, but the added money was so small that right. you, you might you might make a great run and it gets paid seventeen hundred dollars. Yeah. $1, yeah. Sometimes they get that that this summer will get paid forty five hundred dollars. Right. Exactly. So what was the hardest thing about this? rookie year of rodeoing for you i think it kind of goes back to what you just said on the having your run um i think that's one thing i've got now better than i did then whenever times would get hard i didn't have something to fall back on i didn't have just my go-to run like you said um because i do i do agree with what you said as far as you know what you can do and you know how you can get a little faster here a little faster there i didn't have something to just go back on you know like i never if I made sure I scored good, I would do something silly out in the arena. If I made sure that I caught the horns, I'd break the barrier or be late. I just, I didn't have, I, I hadn't been working at it enough to have, to still have my sharp go-to run. You know, I, I just kind of the lack of, um, I guess you'd say the lack of work ethic I had, I had had and, and, kept going, and from the spring going into the summer, I'd kind of lost my, my, you know my my run i 
I keep going back to that, but that's all you can really say is you, everybody has their own run, you know. Right. And so I, I lost it. The only guy I know that doesn't have his own runs, Dustin, but nobody can compare themselves to him because he can throw from wherever. Yeah. It, well, he has a run, and it's uh, ridiculous. Really fast. What, yeah, what his run is because he can crank it off in the box and then still turn a lot of steers. Like, I mean, he he's one of the very few headers that can swing before the, the shoots open and just – and cut it loose mm-hmm. on long scores like that's not that's not normal it's not even it's nothing we've seen no. i mean i know like driggers and some guys they they're they can do amazing things and they can do that but he's doing it like he that's that's something he that's his perfection yeah he is just he goes to it like it's comfortable for him and that's it's crazy it's it too is. hard to even compare your uh, compare like what you're doing or you're roping to his because I mean, it's just, it's almost unrealistic for most people. The way he can sit there dead still and be swinging his rope and then turn loose of his reins of his horse to get off the corner of the box and and his right hand at the same time. How many times have we seen him throw way before he crosses the mouth of the box? You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. We've got a lot of videos, especially here recently with these ropes that we've, we've shot. And like the Windy Ryan this year, uh, it was rained out for the outdoor and it's, pretty similar when it's outside to the bfi it's kind of got that big wide open arena or it's like the spicer group or something right where there's not a lot of real fast runs like uh, there's probably not any fives in the first round and this time it's uh they moved it to the covered pin right behind it and it's a pretty small arena uh, i think a deep box but it was one of those things where tyler wade i think he had told me they were maybe two one or two fours one or two fives and then one or two sixes and with Wesley Thorpe, and I think he won sixth. His five steer, but it right in there. Like, I think he had two fives, one four, and two sixes in one sixth place. And Dustin did some work. And the, the whole short round, it, it was all like that. Every guy just continued to go at him. And it, it was amazing watching. And, and to one thing that I've noticed here is how fast were you at the Cody Nesmith Memorial Roping? With you and Buddy, what were you guys on five? Uh, I think on five we were twenty five one. We were twenty five ten, I think. Um, twenty five ten. No, on four. Okay, on four. I'm sorry. On four. On four. Like, we were okay. twenty five ten, and then we went six oh eight in the short round. Okay, so like thirty one thirty two on on five. I think our time on five, I think, was thirty one nineteen. I looked at 31, the results today. Thirty one nineteen. And what did you guys win? Third or fourth? Fifth. Fifth? Yes. Jeez. Okay. So for everyone that didn't watch these ropings, uh, Memorial Weekend, there are some great ropings, great causes. It, it was it was a, a gr- it was probably the funnest open roping that I have ever watched. And I think I could be a little bit off with this, but like let's say they paid six to eight monies in three of these opens, right? The the Danny Dietz might have it was in her twice, so it might have paid a few less it might have paid like five holes. i think it paid four 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 yep. holes at danny deets with 60 teams and then the rest were in her like three to four times and so there was a there was more teams in those and they paid uh, a little bit more money but i don't think and the callbacks if you were in the money if you came back in a money callback position of those three ropens i think one team maybe two miss steers at all of them like i think one at the windy ryan one at the danny Dees, and yeah and one at the at the cody, cody neesmith. neesmith and uh 
I mean, that's amazing to think about how tough, like you, if you did not come in in the money position at these open ropens, three guys got money at three ropens. I, I think that was really close. And it's, I mean, what it means is there's guys like Dustin, but they, they've got a run that's real fast and these guys are making it every single time. And, and as the steers get better and better, they just max them out more and more. It's not, they don't lay up at all. Well, that's like a bunch of us guys always talk about, you have to be prepared to make your best run in the short round now. I mean, you, you go through the whole rope and kind of pressing on it, and then you get to the short round, and that's when it's time to, I mean, you got to treat it like a one-header. Yep. Um, Douglas and I at the Wendy Ryan, we went five on our first one, six on our second one, six on our third one, and five on our fourth one, and we came back 13th callback paying seven monies. Yeah. We didn't have a chance. We added it up after the rope and was all said and done. We we could have went like four flat and still not want to check. I don't think. I mean that just shows you how tough the open ropens are getting now. It, it's it's crazy to think that if you go, we were twenty four on four, and didn't have a chance for money in the short. We had a chance for the short round fast time. That's it. Yeah, it's uh, the wild thing about it is it's exactly right. It's a rodeo run at the end, like at the end. As soon as this lineup of guys are there. When they're all there and they're entered multiple times, the last run is a rodeo run. So let's talk about this building on your run. What is your favorite run to go to? Like, let's say, gun to your head, you've got to pick one run that you got to make over a barrier. We'll go just like a t- traditional open start. What's your favorite shot that you go with? I'm going to say... Um... Like right now, I've really been with all the jackpots that have been going on, and in my opinion too, you you kind of build off of off of uh, consistency. You know, you get you just need to get in the habit of catching and turning a lot of steers, obviously in a timely fashion for at the level we're at. Um, but in a timely fashion, being sharp, you build off consistency, how fast or slow you want to go. But like right now, when I start off a roping, at my first run at every roping, I try to get as close as I can to the barrier without getting too close, if that makes sense. I know it sounds a little silly, but usually try to be some kind of .05 to 6 off the barrier. And I try to really ride my horse across there, stay down over him, um, and drive in about a, about a coil back and turn him. At the last couple setups, uh, besides the Wendy or maybe, but like the Cody Neesmith and the 3S rope, and I thought those setups were pretty similar. And, you know, a couple of those, the Dandy Deets was fairly similar. My my run right now I'm trying to do in the first round is anywhere from about a five eight to a six five probably long to mid six is what I try to make my first couple runs of the day off of and then like you said there's times where you can see from a ways back that the open that the roping is gonna slow down it's gonna get easy there's too many guys falling out so then you can just okay. I've got it going my way now. I'm 11 on two. Now it's time to just make, you know, kind of run inside of a coil and say, okay, I'm half a coil back. Now I'm for sure going to catch this one. Or then you can say, okay, I've been doing good. I I need to keep building off that. This time, maybe when you're a coil and a half out, when you're a swing farther back, rope coming in to where you can kind of speed it up, you know? And so that's, I'm going to say my run right now 
um, my go-to when I first start the day off at one of these bigger opens that are going on now, I try to go for anywhere from some kind of long five to short six. And obviously the steers, whatever steer you have is going to kind of fault on that. There's sometimes you draw the loper and, and you got to use them, you know, so you may go short five or you may draw the runner. You don't want to start the day off with a miss. So you just keep staying down riding and may go long six to short seven. Well, and, and I think too, what's so cool about that run is you're talking about your horse moving forward. So if your horse is moving forward at these open pots, you can go the one coil and it's really hard for them horses to like lose run or duck or take that shot away. So if you've got that and their horse is running, well, you might have a coil and a half or a further shot, but you've got enough run out of your horse as the roping progresses and he's moving forward enough for you that those shots really start to open up and you can keep doing it all day. And then it's the same thing when you might get a loper and you're able to run in a little bit closer and you don't, your horse isn't just reading off of that steer where if you like kind of pull up and get a little float so you can pull off a two coil shot, you, if you're looking for that one coil, I think it fits perfect in the open. And I think that's one of the shots that all these guys, they really have down. It's really like, it's a solid staple in a lot of the shots and then what it does is it allows them horses to to work throughout the whole day then they can make it 10 to 15 times in a row if, if needed and if they need to go faster their horse is moving forward enough that that then that, and that's usually what happens the steers are getting a little better getting caught towards the end and, and those guys just right. kind of keep opening up and like like we talked about your handful of guys that for sure place it seems like every time your best headers you can't throw dustin in the mix obviously he places a lot of time but you never really know what he's going to do he's just talented enough he can do whatever he feels like but so say throw your driggers your cody snows your clay smiths in the mix you watch them they do kind of what i said they every time they nail the barrier and they drive across the line they get out in the middle of the arena, they go a coil back, they turn them, they set them up good, they're open obviously with a really good healer, and they go some kind of mid-long five every time. And that's why we said them guys, it's all the jackpots, there's about three or four headers that place every time, and Dustin, Clay Smith, Cody Snow, Driggers, those are the guys right there that seem like they place every time. Yeah, there, there's like four or five headers and four or five healers right now that, and they're, they're kind of entering like if it's in a two or three times they're, they're like second third partners but they're like they're taking they're gonna between those guys they're winning a few what's of the bad is they're all in her together too. yeah they're they're pretty much <laughs> just yeah but and it, and it makes sense because they're i mean these guys are great and they're they're run together is great and mixing it up like that it's just like i mean yeah they're it's pretty impressive all right so going back to this this rookie year pro rodeo and you know it was a rough year mentally what was the hardest thing about that and what did you learn the most about having lost i mean that was the first time you really lost a bunch right what was the hardest part about that i don't i don't even know how to exactly answer that i think it was more of a letdown to myself more of the thought of just kind of at first going out there i'm like i'm I'm gonna i mean last year was expectations of the nfr right expectations exactly it was my expectations were let down more than anything it was the thought of what why what's different now than it was then and it the only thing i could find was that i just wasn't working at it hard enough i was i was roping against i was a boy roping against the men but the biggest difference though i'm still the boy roping against the men i'm 20 right but 
the biggest difference between now versus then was I was a boy roping against men that had the work ethic of a boy and not the work ethic of a man. Whereas I think now I have the work ethic of a man, you know? Yeah. And being able to apply that, you've got, so the harder you work at something and the more you've done it and you've seen yourself do it, even if it's in the practice pit, there doesn't have to be money up, I don't think. The more you do something, the more you're like, okay. It's just harder for you to lose confidence in what you're doing because, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think rodeoing, the hardest aspect we have is when it starts going bad, you want to change. No one wants to keep losing and they take the last year to the next year and it really, it, it can't happen like that. If you make a mistake, you can't be worried about the mistake that you made and fix it. You, you can't fix last year's run on the next year, right? right? You have your process of what you need to do that day of winning on that steer. And that's all you can do. And if you know what you've got is good enough, then that's all you have to worry about, right? right you're right. And like what you said on the process, it is all a process. And so you have to find... In the last steer that you messed up, if you're in, you know, Cody, if you find what step in your process you messed up right there, when you're driving to Belfouche, you need to watch your video. You need to see what you did to mess up. You need to find all that. And the next day, you need to back in the box and say, okay, you had it cocked way too far over to the left or, you know, whatever it be, and fix it. Like you said, don't carry the bad mojo over. Fix what you messed up and just do it don't change you don't change your run just fix what you messed up everybody's process is different but fix your own process go back to your run like we were talking about it's all about your run go back to your run on that steer and and just do it don't try to force it i think that was another thing i did all last summer was the more we went and the more i did bad I tried to change everything. I would try to change the way I scored or the way I was swinging or, you know, this, that. I changed ropes, cowboy hats, socks, boots. I I tried to change everything you could possibly change, and it don't work like that. Everybody's got their own style. Everybody's got their own way of doing stuff. That's just what makes us who we are and how we rope. And so you need to find it what it is in your process that you messed up on the last one and fix it mentally just the next day. Just say, okay, I'm not going to be cocked too far to the left or I'm not gonna you know anticipate the start that I should have seen I'm gonna make sure I see it or whatever you know yeah you're the the process um this is this is awesome to hear because I I I love it because for me I I have how I know how my swing works I know how my horse works and I know what shots I can make and when I miss I can address it really quickly at least that's my goal is to address it really quickly and know that mistake happened. And I say it just like that. That's the mistake. This is what I'm doing on the next one. And a lot of it is heading for me. It's a lot of how I like line up my body in the box, right? Right. And and then after that, it's really hard to make adjustments. If you're trying to change your swing rodeoing, do you know, do you know how great? That's, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. That's, oh, like, yeah. Don't do that. I, don't, I mean, you can do it, but it's going to be it. it uh, Walt said it in the podcast I did with him the other day. It's going to be a hard life if yeah. you're trying to change your swing. If you're trying to change too much, you're right. That's why you need to 
one of the biggest things is a time like right now, you're two or three weeks away from leaving. You need to find your run. You need to go to all the little rodeos you can, all the circuit rodeos, all the amateur rodeos. You need to find your run. You need to get it down. You need to find out what works for you and what setups. And that's what you need to stick with. When you back in the box, you need to say, okay, this is my run. This is what I do. And if you if you changed it a little bit and that's what caused you to miss, then you know. Like you said, you can – like how you were talking about your head and you said you can address why and how you missed right then and that's good that that means you know what your deal is that means you know what your run is and i think that's what is important is knowing what your run is what your process is and what you messed up in your run to miss that steer don't beat yourself up over it don't burst your confidence don't carry that bad mojo to the next steer just you know go back to your process on the next one yeah you don't you don't tie missing or even a few in a row, you don't even tie it to your self-worth. That's who you are. Like, you rope like that. No, you don't. It's it's literally, it's as black and white as you can make it. Like, hey, I, I made the shot or I missed the shot. This is what I need to do to make the shot. No, you're and, right. And then the other thing, I think that that that's probably the hardest thing um, for younger guys or, or maybe, maybe anyone that's getting exposed to rodeo and is as it goes bad. You know the 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 tweaking on it, like we're saying, but they we get further and further away from like what we do, and who you actually are as a team roper and what you're comfortable with. And I think there's other things you got to be able to address that, like if you're a guy that can't reach very well and you're rodeoing, well you need to know I'm not gonna learn how to reach when I don't get to practice right. while I'm rodeoing. I'm not. It's not ma- I'm not magically gonna figure out how to crank one off in the box as I'm not eating cut it loose halfway through the box from three coils. You're going to need to learn how to take risks in another area, right? Right. And that, I think that's what makes guys like, they make them kind of gamey, like winners, like guys that you don't think should win, but you get out there, like it's weird in Texas because you'll be out here roping a lot and there's some guys that they've made the finals a lot and they don't win a lot jackpot. Right. You're like, what is going on? And then you get out there in the middle of the summer and they have got a lot won and they know the little things like, how to read the barrier better, how to play setups, how to use their horse so their their guys can heal fast. And I think they, they get gamey. Like yep. I call them just, just gamers, you know. And and I think that's a lot of that comes from experience and a lot of that comes from, you know, knowing yourself, right? You just know what you're capable of and then know what you need to do to win. Right. I think uh, that's why they say once you've made it once, it seems like it's easier to make it after that because, like you said, it's experience. It's knowing what it knowing what it takes to make it and so that's what's hard as a young kid coming up but i think you just got to listen to the guys that are trying to help you and tell you what what it does take and i think that's what you know you just got to find find it in your like you said find yourself find your find your your run find your worth and then don't don't beat yourself up going down the road over stuff don't don't make yourself think that that's you you know how have you been able to figure this out so early? Why do you think that is? Not doing good. I'll, I'll honestly say, and I tell a lot of people this, 2020 was the best for me. It was my rookie year. Um, I got I won third in the rookie standings by two of my friends that rope outstanding. I mean, they should have placed where they did. I mean, those, those kids, Britt and Tanner both have been 
my they've been some of my friends for a long time we grew up we're all kind of about the same age Britt is maybe a couple months younger than me and tanner's a year older than both of us and so um we've all grown up basically around each other we've all been heading at the you know the junior ropings and shawnee and the high school finals and stuff our whole lives they rope great and so for for me to watch them just kind of way past me up last year and stuff it was i was just like man them kids are them kids are doing something you're not you need to figure it out and it wasn't just them it was everybody else too but it was the fact that not only did i not make the finals i didn't even i wasn't even in the race for the rookie standings either you know and i'm not taking anything away from them they both throw up outstanding it's almost it was almost just me driving myself like you weren't even in the hunt. Tanner and Britt went neck and neck, and you were way behind them. You know right. they were go- they were having a race till the very end of the season, and you weren't threatening them none. So that was kind of that was killing me in the back of my mind was to think that I didn't even come close to making the finals, and I really didn't even come close to winning the rookie. So it humbled me, and it made me dig down deep and figure out if I really wanted to do this. And when I when I told myself I did. I, I tried to figure out all the aspects of what were going to make me fully prepared for 2021, you know? Yeah, it's amazing what losing can do. It's it's so important, I think. Losing is, it's it's the best thing you can do. And, and losing early is a blessing because what it, I think what it does, if you lose early in life uh, and you stay with it, you know that's what you're meant to do. And you'll fight and you'll think about it harder. It'll hurt more, and you've got a lot more. The the struggle, you know, your fortitude just gets so strong, and that's where it's like, for you, it's been fun to watch because we're successful too too early, I think. Right. And 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 then getting the the year like you've had last year, and and to see what it does because I I mean I watch you jackpot, and there was mistakes you would make that. They were they were young guy mistakes. Right. You would miss steers or break a barrier. Something would happen when it didn't need to happen. And in a year's time, a ton of that has been corrected. Right. Like I mean, to a point where it's it's crazy. It's not even the same guy. And that aspect of losing and being able to self evaluate, like, hey, I got my butt kicked, but I still want to do it. Right. And then once you got that it really makes it it makes it to where well a you can talk about it you know if people are that when you something bad happens to them and they they're afraid to even address it it's gonna linger but once you can address losing and not being where you want to be then you, you it's out in the open and you've kind of you're, you're in the process of fixing those things and and you've kind of building that and i think that's like you look at paul paul was not Paulie's was not that successful early in his roping career. And this guy now is an animal. Right. And he has a stack of heel horses and he can train them. And he is like, there's a few guys that I watch heel steers and I'm like, it is picture perfect. Yeah. Like him, Jade, Clay Coop. I'm going to leave a lot of names out, but those guys, they, they make it look so they're, they're really getting close to perfection. Right. And, and that getting down that, path of that early is very important and and to kind of see you get down there that's it's really fun i mean has there been a header that you look up to the most with their shots or try to build your heading around 
Yes and no. I find myself trying to be too much like one person or the next person. Like you said, you know, you kind of get to thinking, oh, well, Dustin's winning everywhere, so you need to crank one off in the box. Well, I'm not capable of that. But then you get to seeing guys that can run them farther out in the arena, but they do a little different stuff. I'm not going to say that I try to be more like one person than the other, but I do like getting help. I like to... In the middle of a rope, and I like to ride up to a guy like Cody Snow and say, "Hey, what'd that look like? Or what do you think I could have done right there? What 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 does my horse look like? Or or Chad, uh, I love talking to Chad. Sometimes you got to tell Chad like, "Hey, don't be nice to me. Tell me what you think. I mean, right. stop being the nice guy. Pat me on the back. Tell me I did a good job. I just split the horns right there. Yeah. You know, stop telling me I'm doing great. I'm not doing yeah. great. <laughs> but I like to ride up to guys like that." Or when you can get Driggers to take you serious. I like to ask him for help too, you know. Yeah. But a lot of times you can't get him to take you serious enough. But right. it, I, I like to ask a lot of, of the best guys what they think. Even when I'm doing good, I don't, I'm not ashamed to walk up to somebody after I after I did good and say, hey, what, what did that look like? What could I have done to get better? You know, because chances are they saw something right there where I went 5-5 five, five where they thought, I could have went, you know, four nine, and so that I, I I'm not gonna say I um, necessarily try to head like anybody. I just try to get advice from all the good guys and put it all into one and make that myself. You get know? it down towards little details, right? Exactly. Because there's gonna be so many times where, well, I mean, you you might make a run that wins really good, but it was like teetering out of control, and it might be something as small as like, hey. If you bring the steer back a little bit more, your guy is going to have a little easier time healing him, right. and you might get two or three tenths uh, back. And really, you just drew a steer that was so great, and you scored so good that you know you're able to still win on him. But right. it, those little details might get you the three or four tenths that you need the rest of the summer or exactly. the next few runs, and that's how you build on it. Exactly. Um, do you ever struggle with getting advice or looking at what someone's doing and then when you're not capable of doing it or you you know that it's gonna it's basically when i say not capable i mean like let's say hey you needed to be cutting your rope loose here and you weren't and it's something you're not real comfortable with so you know that you need to well you probably need to practice it a lot how do you try to balance those things like that of getting advice or you know for someone that say hey try this well when you try it you know you probably need to try it at home when it right. you know you're not going to lose money doing it. Uh I think that's one thing you just have to learn a little bit with experience is knowing when the appropriate time is to try something and when it's not. You know, like as far as I think in it, a lot of that goes with your horses too when it's the appropriate time to try say scoring a horse a little different or whatever when your money's up, you need to do what you know and then when you get home, call Cody or Chad or Driggers or Dustin or Clay Smith and say, hey, what was that you were telling me at the rope the other day I needed to do? You know, you, you said something about you thought that I needed to be to the front a little more so that I could cut it loose my second swing. How, how would you go about that? Or, hey, you thought my horse wasn't scoring good because I was doing this. Can I come to your house and work on it? You know, I think I just a lot of that, you, you, you learn when the appropriate time is. Now, now there's sometimes that are like, hey, that roping, that roping tomorrow, the steers leave there sharp. You're going to have to get to the front better than you did today. Then, you know, that's that's when you know, okay, tomorrow I, I need to work on what they told me. And, you know, it's just kind of knowing when to balance it out. Yeah. You know the thing I've been playing around with? Well, 
I'll heal a little bit, but not really like in tough ropes. Like I'm healing in a 13 or a 14 and it just catches. Right. And so what I've, what I've been doing and, and I, and I'll do it heading to, I'll notice this. Um, but it, when we talk about losing, like if we're done in the roping, but we're still in the roping, like we got a barrier or most of the time, like a leg, if I'm healing, you know, if it's not going well and I know I'm not going to win anything, I might take something that I have been trying a little bit in the practice pen and I'll try it in those runs. And then I'm like, I can take those little things and I'm like, oh, that did feel. And I got competition feel instead of my practice pen. And I do the same thing with my head horses. Like if I wanted to tweak on like a path that I'm sending my head horse down or a how like how I'm scoring or what kind of shots I take, I, I don't like the idea of my horses ducking out or not running. But I do like tweaking with like how I score, how I ride them out of the box, how my swing comes up, like how soon it comes up. And I'll do that on runs that don't matter. Like you're, you're still roping in the roping, but you know you're not going to win anything. And then you can get that information. Do you do that? I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, just the other day at the Cody Neesmith, um, I had a couple penalties with a couple different guys. And I told myself, make runs, work on yourself right here. You know, the, the most realistic uh, results you can get are out of roping. That's why I think it's so crucial to go to like the littler rodeos and the littler, you know, little Austin Roberts and weeknight deals and stuff because the best results you get are at the roping. And I do the exact same thing just the other day at the Cody Neesmith. It would have been real easy just to kind of be, I guess you'd say like messing around, almost screwing off a little bit and just not paying attention, just kind of roping because you still have to. They're still calling your name, but you're out of the roping. But instead, I would say, okay. I need to figure out exactly what the start is in this second arena because I've still got two runs left that are good guys. So you need to figure out right here, since you had a barrier on the first one, you need to work on yourself right here to try the barrier on and figure out exactly what it is, get to the front of your saddle, work on your swing or your work on throwing at this spot or whatever. And I do that a lot at Ropens, especially like these ones they've been having where you're liable to have four runs, you know, that the inner one, draw one, go twice deals, you're, you're liable to have four runs. So if I have a penalty with somebody, I most definitely do do that. I, I work on myself or my horse or whatever, and I try to really get it down to where my that carries over to the next run when I'm starting fresh with somebody like at the Cody Neesmith the other day you may run your you run your second one with one guy before you run your first one with the next guy so you know I would go run my second one with somebody work on myself try to figure out exactly what the start was and then come back and the with my next guy start fresh have a good run then when you get to the second arena you know exactly what the start is and stuff like that yeah it's funny that this sport is so it's so odd like what it takes to win and managing money and putting it all together but there's all these little things you can do like i mean even as a header right if you know you've got multiple runs in a big tough rope and like it doesn't matter what number it is if there's a lot of teams you're not going to be able to make mistakes and win and so if you do make a mistake early having a backup head horse it might be a young horse that's been working pretty good and then just go get on him and make him make a normal run like you yep. would if you're good in the average and you go make him make that run even though it does no good result wise well if you do that five ten twenty times in a row on this horse and he works perfect well all you're doing is increasing your horse's value so if you want to sell him you can make some money and you get real information you should probably get it videoed if you want to sell this horse and then you also will know like hey this is what this horse is capable of this is what he does instead of like going at him 
teaching them to duck, teaching mm-hmm. them to not score. And, and you get to learn how to manage a horse and you get to make a horse into a winner where you can build a run around a horse where there's no pressure. Like if he didn't feel good on the one before, you can go correct it on the next one and right. you can just go work on your horse. And, and there's just all these little ways as a roper that you can you could basically add value to what you're doing even though the situation isn't great and that's where like losing can be a win you know and it, oh yeah i think that's one of the biggest mistakes i see i see i saw it just the other day um i see guys kind of the same deal you're talking about maybe two legs or something and it's a it's a five head rope and they've got two really good runs and average and their one guy's got maybe two legs or two barriers or something and they start bombing off on their one good horse just trying to you're not going to rope yourself back in the rope and like we just talked about from from first to eighth place at the cody neesmith rope was a second and a half difference in time on five you're not going to rope yourself back in the rope and so why not work on your horse a little bit? Why not make him get him in the box exactly how you want, get him to score, you know, maybe even drag one across his butt one time, get him firing up there, rope, make him stand up, make him do a turn off exactly how you want instead of rather than almost just kind of messing around, come the third round, you have two penalties that don't really matter. You're trying to get one off in the box and go before. You're not going to rope yourself back in the rope anyway, so manage your horse. You know, I, I, that's one thing I see a little bit of, and I'm just like, really, man, why, why are you doing that? Yeah, managing your horse. And that is one of the most important things as a header because it's just like that. That roping was tough, and a second and a half difference on five steers, on fresh, like really good steers, but they're fresh and strong, and it required you to, you were, it was everything you had. I mean, if you watch that short round, the steers were so, they were good, but they were strong, and you needed everything you could get, and and I think that that's what's so, so important about roping is towards the end of the roping, these head horses have given you a lot. But the special ones, they keep scoring at the end. The mm-hmm. special ones keep running at the end. And if you're fighting them that way, you know, if you're making them duck and then you come back, that that's my favorite is watching a head horse duck after a guy had been going at him. And, you're like, and then they get mad and you're like, well, wh- what did you expect? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, they're going to figure out what you're doing. Oh, yeah. I mean, and any of us are guilty of it. I'm just as guilty of getting on a practice horse and kind of practicing my going at them and I go up three or four in a row and on the fifth one he ducks out from under me and I split the horns and I kind of spank him back over to the steer and then I get to the end of the arena. I'm like, really? I mean, he was really supposed to do that. You know, yeah. they're, they're, they're kind of a creature of a pattern. You're kind of patterning them to go two swings out of the box and turn left. You should have expected him to do that. You know, they're, they're going to do what you show them. Right. And, and the smart ones are going to do it quicker and the, the dumber ones are going to be numb to it. I mean, that's a bad word. Use dumb, but that's really what it is. They're going to be numb to it. Yeah. And and that, I think that's what, you know, when you're finding horses that are special, they need a, a little bit of both where they're like stay within a pattern. But I think that, that goes back to your foundation and your training and your riding and what you know about your horse and all the practice hours. You need to know what you got. And that's where I, once again, like as my head horses get better and better, I throw them in the mix and I like to know how my horse is going to work in the fire before... I actually put him into it with, I know the expectations of winning are up. Oh, you're exactly right. And I, 
I'm a I'm a big believer on going to all the little jackpots and stuff for that reason. You know, you like you said, you can take a new horse you got that you haven't really gotten to get with yet, or a young one that you're just kind of bringing into like the realistic stuff. You can kind of go to that stuff. If you don't win, it's not a huge deal. You know, obviously no one likes to lose 300 over here at the 150 go twice deals at Brock, but that's better than just pitching them to the wolves at the 3S roping where your fees are 500 a man go twice. You're losing 1,000 versus 300. I'm a big believer in going to that kind of stuff because you can, you know, make sure you get it all right, pattern them, and, and, and do exactly how you want them to do at the ropings. Yeah, and you get to learn the, the valuable information like, what is my horse like run to run exactly they'll get in the practice pen you're like man this sucker's good Mm -hmm. and you're ready but then it might be like you know when it gets quick in that rope and you get exposed to something like you might have a couple runners and then you might come back on a loper and you you, you'll never know where you're going to be at with that horse as far as how he's going to react when that steer does not leave the shoots very fast and he's a little bit out of air because it's a 30 teamer and he's maybe ran a few steers and you got to score a little extra and, and you get those details and you know like what your horse will do in competition and I, and I think that's just one of the keys to learning how to win because you're, you're training yourself to be a winner and your horse to be a winner because well you get that exposure against the guys too on a on a Tuesday night and you can take that over it's no different really than than a, a huge roping no, you just yeah, you just have right. that experience I mean and like I, like I was saying earlier too to me, competition is the best uh, way to, I guess you'd say, to like figure out where you're at in your roping and, and what you've been working on. That's where you get your test results. You know, practicing every day, those are like your little quizzes, your homework. When you get somewhere, that's your test. That's that's where you figure out where you're actually at. And it doesn't matter if it's small or big. That's where you figure out what you've been working on with yourself and the horses. And I, I, I think that's the best way to, to, to go about things, especially through the winter. We're very fortunate. We live right here in, in, you know, around Stephenville, between Stephenville to Weatherford area. Every week down here in the winter, you can go to at least one jackpot every week. And it doesn't sometimes they're really good ones. Sometimes you can go to two or three little ones. But I think you got to stay going to that kind of stuff to figure out where you're at and, and to, figure, to, 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 to know what you have to do to change in, in bigger competition. You know, if you go to the roping at Brock and you're laid on the barrier and you're just not turning them fast enough, then you know what you have to work on before real money's on the line, you yep. know? Yeah, getting, getting that information's so important. What about scoring these horses? I have noticed this about you. I've, here lately, I, I, I've just, I noticed it at uh, Lone Star. I was sitting there and you had a steer. I think it was a steer at uh, Lone Star and you kind of had a steer a little bit bad at the box and your hands real still and I could just see it. And I was like, this guy's been working on his horsemanship in the box right here. I have. Um, I, th- I think that you can get your horses too confused, to doing too much in the box. Uh, my kind of my routine is I like to have my horses looking pretty straight. Obviously, there's some horses that want to look a little left, a little right, whatever. It's kind of they have to do what's comfortable. I do some horses. I like to bridle them up a little bit in the box just to get their weight kind of drawn down on their front feet where they're not head up above their butt to where their first moves that they're going to be up and out or they're going to kind of squat and lean against the box and then go. Um, 
And I think when anything like that's starting to go wrong, if the steer's banging around and stuff's not going good, the best thing you can do is just stay relaxed because the more relaxed your horse is in there, the better they're going to score. And all around stuff like that is just all stuff you start to pick up on the more you work at your roping at home to going to the little jackpots to the big jackpots. It's just all kind of stuff that you pick up on and, and you start to do better the more you figure out what it takes you know watch those really good guys watch the guys that are dang sure hands on a horse they aren't crawling all around wallering all around their horses whenever the steer won't stand right they sit there dead still and they wait till everything's good and usually their horse is relaxed enough that the minute everything's good they can go yeah the the big thing i, I noticed too is and and i'm working on it i I'm weak sometimes, but I also like, I know my horses enough that I can kind of like, I know it's okay, but the ability to have your horse following your hand in the box and knowing where your horse has to sit to follow your hand. And if I, I literally, that's how I look at heading in the box. I'm like, if this sucker wants to turn his head to the right, the left or straight, I don't really care wherever he is sitting and I release my hand and I get that nice downhill running. They do not listen to the click of the gates because those World Series barriers are so tough because it happens so fast. It's like your horse wants to score off the chute or they just do not want to listen to your hand after a while. So it's like that's a big issue for an open guy if you've got a horse that you know wants to score off the gates or the heel horse. They, or when they're running, they, you know, they've run a lot of steers, they lose their breath. And I, you know, getting them back to where they'll sit and be comfortable and then follow my hand and wherever my, when my hand releases, they're there. And, and that's what I've noticed about you is like, you know, you're, you're able to sit, your horses will score, you know, or will, will release well off your hand. And it's like the, the, when I first watched you rope, I was like, you're pretty aggressive, you know, very good with your rope. And now you're getting to the point where I'm like, his horses look great. You know, they score good. He's hitting the barrier how he needs to hit the barrier. Has that been a big focus over the last six, eight months? Well, you hear a lot of guys talk about it too. There's way too many guys out there that are crazy talented with a rope. I can pick out a lot of people in Missouri, a lot of kids my age that are way more talented than me with rope that that haven't that nobody knows. But my point being is there's way too many people that are talented with a rope. The, the certain guys that make it to the top are the guys that can ride and rope, you know. And so that's one thing you have to pay attention to is all the small details. And I think, I, I think that's just something I needed to get better at. I needed to work out. I needed to perfect a little better was making sure I was getting the same go out of my horses every time, getting keeping them honest, keeping them scoring good because – like I said, there's a lot of guys that rope really good that probably just don't make it because they're not on very good horses, you know, or their horsemanship isn't good enough. Right. Well, and even too, like the one variable a header can't get by, let's just say there's a good seven header up against um, Clay Smith and Clay Smith on his best horse. If that header scores perfect on every steer and they're running the exact same steers, he can compete. Yes. If he blows the barrier out perfectly five times in a row and just your normal seven header, which I would say is like a, a really good circuit run or, you know, amateur right. level header, very good, very good amateur header, very good circuit run. He can compete with Clay Smith, the best guy, you know, one of the best guys in the world, right? 
And, and I think that's one of the things that as a header is the aspect of how well we can read the barrier, knowing when to take risks, knowing how our horse is going to react and score, and to be able to do it long term. Because ropens, you run a lot of steers, your horse's attitude changes, their mentality changes, rodeos, you don't really get to, you can get a rattle. But it's yeah. going to cost you an extra 50 each yeah. time at those rodeos, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? And and there's all these times where we got to be able to read it. And if you've got a medium steer for the herd and you blow the barrier out, you ain't going to be that far out there most of the time. No. Yeah, you're right. That's what people talk about, you know, reaching, reaching, reaching. Well, you said it, and I it's something I honestly have to tell myself a lot. If you ride your horse good and you score good and you ride across the line, that steer, if, if you're in – I mean, Cody box is probably 17 foot barriers. Usually, you know, if it's a foot over in the PRC, that really means the steer is only going to be 16 feet from you when you hit the line. Cause they add the two foot, the neck rope is only 16 foot long and a one over barrier. If the box is 17 foot. So it, he's only, his neck is only 16 foot from you. If you nail the barrier, well, that's half your rope. You don't have to throw your whole rope. If you ride your horse, cause that's half your rope. So that's something I tell myself is look, you don't have to worry about getting one off in the box and throwing your whole rope, just score good and ride your horse. And he's going to be half your rope from you when you hit the line. And that, that's not counting. If your horse is gaining, you take one more swing out of the box, he might only be 12 foot from you. And that's an everyday shot for most of us, you know? Yeah. Well, you'd think your head horse could outrun that steer. So if you're at the line and you're right. half your rope away, you probably could get one more swing off and get a lot closer oh, and make yeah. it a sure shot. That's what I mean. And yeah, it's a it's such a it's such a unique aspect to to be able to score and ride your horse, and then then you know it as you piece horses together, what ones can play to your shots and and what you're doing, and and that's just kind of what makes a winner, right? Right. What about the mental game? This is, you know, we always get the mental game questions, and it's, it's one of this, uh, it, it's this big can of worms, and there's a lot of aspects to it, and you get guys that like to dive into it deep and really are analytical about how their mind works, and there's other guys that are like, they they just kind of can turn it on, or they just like to stay out of their way, right? Mm-hmm. What do you try to do mentally to create consistent performances through your mind? I think there's a lot of things I try to do. Um, I'm a firm believer in the statement, practice like you've never won, compete like you've never lost. I think you need to kind of carry yourself with confidence. Don't be arrogant. Don't be cocky. But you need to believe you're there. You need to believe that you're supposed to be there. And so that's one thing I always tell myself when I'm back in the box is, hey, you're one of them. You're one of the guys. You don't have to prove nothing to nobody, but just rope like you're supposed to be here, you know? And <clears throat> I think that um, knowing in the back of your mind that you've prepared yourself to be there, you know, knowing that you everything you've done and everything you've been working on is just, it, it, you know, waiting for success. Basically, you know, you're, you're preparing yourself to do good. And, and I think that um, a guy can get too over carried away with the mental game of it. You get to getting in your mind and almost changing who you are going back to what we were saying in the middle of the summer, breaking your own confidence and stuff. Um, basically just, if you honestly deep down in your heart believed you've done everything you could do to, to 
succeed, then you shouldn't have no problem telling yourself when you back in the box, hey, you've prepared, you're ready, just go do you, you know? Yeah, focus on your run. Focus on you. Yeah, that that's a big question I think everyone should ask themselves is if what you do is good enough to win, and if you believe that, then you should trust it. And y- you should trust it to the point where you've put I mean, if you want a if you want a rodeo or whatever it is, com- competition wise, if you numbered ropes, I think if you believe that you put the work in and you're at the top, you should put your name down the whole time, and 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 it, the results will let you know. But it has to be over a long period of time, right? And then and the results will, they're, if like when I say that, if rodeoing for example, seventy five rodeos is what you get your chances on and that might not mean that you make the nfr that might not mean that you you do whatever because the results are going to be a little bit different for everyone but if you believe like what you've got is good enough and what you've practiced is good enough it'll show through right right and you'll turn the steers or you'll you'll do you'll take the right shots and winning is a we don't have control of what we're going to win or when we're going to win it. And you might make the runs at the wrong time. And a lot of times guys end up within a couple steers of making the finals or they're a couple steers are the reason they got to the yeah. finals. And yeah. it happens to be when the rodeos pay 7,500 a man. And, yeah. and, and there's all these variables, but if you can realistically look at it at the end of the day, um, that it's a really, really good thing. Cause I think if you can do that all year long, you're good to go, right? At, mentally, you're like, it doesn't matter. You can miss a few in a row or you you can have some bad luck and you just will stay with it. I think you've got to dig down in your, dig down in your heart and like kind of find yourself and, and ask yourself, have I done enough? Have I worked as hard as I could work? Have I done everything I know to do? And then go spend a day with a guy like Driggers or Snow or somebody and look at their work ethic. And if you're like, holy crap, they're working harder than me, then you know you're not doing enough. You yeah, know? that I mean, that's probably the truth. I, mean, For, um, I would say I would say ninety nine percent of the people that like, oh, I rope good enough. You say, oh, he he make it. He would make it. Oh, I don't have like, to. He, I don't. I can practice a couple times a week. I yeah. hear that. I hear that from more than a few people. Oh, I just, man, I just don't have to practice that much to stay sharp. Well, I talked to Hunter. Hunter Cook told me one time. He said he doesn't feel confident unless he heals at least forty steers a day. I mean, that's how he that, that's how he knows he's prepared. And there's certain people like that. I'm one of those guys, if I take two days off, when I come back, I can tell in my rope. And when I, then if I take two days off for some reason and I come back to practice, I can feel it in my horses, my rope and everything. And that's what's crazy is you have to be prepared. You have to know that you're working hard enough to, to make it. You have to be doing what the top guys are doing or more, you know? Yep. Your, your mental game can, it's weird because you got guys that, they can pull it out sometimes, so they can do some stuff, and they can really, really lock it in. And I try to be that. <laughs> I, I try so hard to be that and be ready to lock it in. And when when does up, I want the ball. I'm kind of that guy. Like I I want pressure, and I but I also want it because I I kind of like that idea of I'd like to fail or win, but I want to know the one or the other. I want the test, right? Right. That's what I want. I want to be tested. And, and I think that, uh, getting to that point is, that was kind of a fun spot for me because then I knew, well, I, I get moments where I'm, 
I did bad and I get moments where I do good and, uh, and it helps me stay fired up every day or what, whatever, when I want to grow. Right. But mentally the training, being able to trust your training and your process. And like we said early in this podcast, knowing what you do, and then you've addressed it to the point where you know that that is your game and then you're going to go test it and you you'll get your results oh yeah and you'll get your tested and oh, you'll, yeah. you'll know whether you get get it and i think like you said a second ago for most people that say they work hard enough or most guys that um have the talent or whatever it is and they and they believe they're ready they they should just come down to paulie's house if they're healing or cody snow or hunter cook I mean, we live right off 281, and I like I just released a podcast with Tyler Worley. And every time I drive down, he's four or five miles from me. The lights are on. He's yeah, always absolutely. in his arena. The I only, honk every time I go by. Yeah, yeah he was saying <laughs> He gets a lot of honks. But, you know, man, that's that's what's so crazy is no one's special. Nope. And, and the one thing about competition is no one's special. And talent is great. It's it's one of those things that you just can't you just you just can't do anything about when talent is just really sharp. But that's only one day. And talent can only take you so far and only do so much. And that and that's what's scary. Like I said, about being talented young is the work ethic doesn't come behind it because you don't have to work hard. It's just easy for you. You know, you can it's almost like you can see something and then do it, right? Right. And then you can you can kind of be like you get that shot and you can do that and you can see those things. Well, what happens when that's not who you are? And when I say not who you are in your shots, it means I can watch someone swing a head rope that way and then go do it on the dummy, right? A lot of us can imitate different headers. Right. And then you might be able to go do that shot a few times. But when we got dogs in this house, too, just yeah, it's a real professional podcast around here. But uh, when you do these things and it gets hard and you get those moments where you you get tried, then you're not that guy. You haven't done it enough. You don't trust right. it. Right. And, and that's when it's like the work ethic has to be there. You have to have this foundation of what your run is because gun to your head like that's that's what i love to say to myself i'm like gun to my head what am i doing highest pressure run i can put myself in what am i going to do and that's where i really like to to go to these things but i i think that's where we we really miss it with the mental game as well well and i think that's what's so important in a conversation is like a you can say things that where we mess up like man uh, or not mess up but it's like it's my perspective at the time or at the moment. And sometimes I am just, I'm wrong, you know, <laughs> but, but I'm also, I, I think that mindset of learning and trying to grow. And I, and I think that's really what I'm trying to, to get with this. Cause that's, I think who I am as like a, as a person, obviously I like roping. I like everything about it. I like, business but i've also like what it takes to be great right and 
what I keep finding is these guys that chase it so hard. There's like certain things and there's a, I believe there's a roadmap to being successful. And, and to me, the roadmap is you've got to work at something as hard as you can and know yourself and then watch people who have done it before and learn from them and learn how to work at it the smartest way possible. Right. I think the biggest mistake we make is we get real comfortable. And when I and, and when I say comfortable, content, almost content with where you're at. Yeah, content, uh, content is dangerous because as soon as you're like, you don't have that desire, that drive to get out there, it gets hard, man. It's, it, you know, because this is like you, you're 20 years old, you ain't got no house payment. Your <laughs> your house is at the shop right now, right? Exactly, and. And you want to run steers and you are, if you're getting up at six thirty in the morning, you beat me up this morning, right? I slept in, I was tired from yesterday. And if you, if you're doing that day in and day out and 50 other guys are doing the same thing that are heading steers, you know, how, how are you going to get to the top? You know, so you got to look for these little hacks on your way in. Right. And I think it's all a mindset. Um, I listened to John Baxter speak the other day at an American Hats deal. Um, Coach John Baxter, he coaches at, uh, I think it's, is it University of South California, L.A. maybe, UC at USC? I don't know. He's coached at Michigan State a bunch, but he come and talked to us at the American Hats photo shoot, and he kind of said a lot of things that made sense. It's all a mindset. You know, laziness doesn't get anybody anywhere. Even if you don't have anything to do, if you're if you're not supposed to go rope at somebody's house on a Tuesday till lunch, that doesn't give you an excuse to sleep till ten. I, you may not have anything to do. You may get up, go feed your horses at six or six thirty, and then not really have much to do. But the thought of it is, is you got your feet up, you got your feet on the ground, and you started moving. And that's kind of my mindset to it is, is if I'm not afraid to get up, get moving, and and, and be something, kind of be busy, be doing busy doing something, then it kind of gives me the mindset of me not being lazy. Laziness drags you down, you know? Yeah, it, it leads to, well, habits, right? Yeah, and, habits. And and the like we were talking earlier with what Clay said, it's improvements are very subtle. And so it's like the, the more you can do the little things, and the little things, I mean, are get up early. When you're tired, stop procrastinating. If you're, but when I say stop procrastinating, there's everyone can listen to this podcast, and you might say motivates the heck out of someone, and he gets out there and he works at it real hard tomorrow, and he rubs a dummy till his hands are bleeding, and and does this thing right. Well, the next day when he's tired, is he doing it right? And and those are the little ones. Those are the improvements. Yep, I think I. I try to find those moments where I don't want to do something and address it. And I either figure out, A, why do I not want to do it? And then if the answer is because it's not what I want to do, like I don't like doing this thing, I try to acknowledge that enough times. Like, okay, like video editing, right? I've edited out, well, X Factor has over 1,500 videos. It's, it's thousands of hours of footage. I hate video editing and I have edited out over a thousand of them myself. 
I don't want to do it anymore. I've reached a point in my life where it is a grind for me to knock out a couple videos. <laughs> right. It's the same thing with roping. I keep going back to what I want to do with my life. Like what is, what, what fires me up? Like what would be, what is the most important things at the end of my life that I did when I was young and healthy and those things, that's where I'm like, okay, I want to get to those things. But there's the days when you don't want to do those little things. You're right. tired and you're whatever excuse you got. It's been raining. It's it's cold. It don't, it don't matter. But those ones, when I work out and I don't want to work out and I get those in, I rope when I don't want to rope. I saddle up and I ride them all day when I don't want to. Those are the ones that make you strong. Oh, yeah. Coach John Baxter said something in that deal. He said... A lot of times when I'm recruiting, he said, I don't always look for the most talented guy. He said, I look for the guy that's working so hard that he's about to pass out. He said, because that's the guy that will give you his sweat and blood and everything that matters when it counts the most. And so that kind of spoke to me. It's not about how much talent you have necessarily. It's about how hard you can work at it because the, the, the another saying that's true is is hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard you have to get up and you have to work hard it doesn't matter if you're a horseshoer a welder a team roper a teacher whatever you have to you have to work at it and you have to like you have to be there you can be running steers and not be working at it you can be roping and it meaning it, it almost be doing you no good. I, I tell people that a lot. Just because you're roping doesn't mean you're working at it. Yep. Just because you have five horses saddled and you're running some steers, that don't mean nothing. Unless you're working at it, unless you're working at little pinpoints of everything you want to be working on, you're not doing yourself any good. The understanding of how to how to work at those little details, it be it becomes an art, right? And I think that's like what we were saying a while ago. Getting better at this skill and building it because it is a skill. Talent means you can pick up things and it naturally comes to you. Right. But really there's, there is a recipe and it is through a ton of reps and it is through a ton of work and it's through a ton of consistency. And I have gotten to the point now where I look at things, I'm like, all right, I want to get there. How long is it going to take? And, and, I, and, I. I look at it and I always think I want it now. I want it. I, I could be there. I can be healthy. I can be. I get it. I could be strong in a couple of months if I just lift weights. I can rope. I can cut. I can do this shot in a month or two if I if I just work at it. But if I look at it and I ask this question to myself, like if I work at it really hard for a whole year, I should have it. Right. And I keep thinking, okay, if I'll do a year of this one thing, then I'll have it. And, and most of the time it happens fast, but I try to look, I try to get into the mindset of like, okay, I'm going to do this thing for a year. And, and I think if we can get to those points, like that's what the great guys do. That's what the, I mean, Cody snows and they're, they are lifers. These guys are like anyone great at anything. That's what they do. They dedicated everything they got to it. I tell, I mean, you have, you have to be all in. I don't somebody I don't I don't remember what what one of them pro guys a while back had an article in maybe Team Rope and Journal one of them and it was about if you're gonna do it you have got to be all in. I think it was Tate Kirkenschlager. Right. 
you have to be all in. And that's true. I mean, you can't be a, well, I want to rope a little and I want to do this a little. I want to do that a little. But I still want to make the finals. No, no, no. All, uh, you know, out of 100, there's 96 guys entered at, at Reno. And so basically, let's just round it up to 100. That you're taking the top 15% out of those guys. That top 15% of guys in the world in 2020, not one of them have any other hobbies other than roping. And I can promise you that. They might be a family man, this and that. Obviously, I mean, that's part of it. That's part of life. But their their time is devoted to roping. These guys might be inside at night. They're watching runs. Mm -hmm. They're thinking about, oh, this horse tomorrow. <coughs> I'm going to do this. Uh, you know, they've got... They've got this, I could be using the wrong word at this point, but engulfed in the process of what they're doing that they are, like the results are just going to be a, a side product of it, right? right? They Like they rope steers and that's what they do. They ride horses. They, they Every aspect of it, they like developing those out. And, and when they get to that point, then nothing but results can happen. But the thing is... <sighs> They're giving up their life. They're exchanging everything they do, right? You you are exchanging the best years of your life. You're exactly right. For that thing. And and that's when like people that it's so weird. I, I don't know. You get a lot of people that take that like the nine to five job and, and do things like that and they get really and they say they're happy and they, they like what they're doing and they're raising their family and doing this. And I think that's great. Great. It's awesome. But I could never do it it's nope. like that. I would, because I can't, I can always do that in my mind. Maybe I, maybe yeah. I could, I could always go to that route, but you kind of want to know like, hey, can I or can I not do this? Well, I, I see a lot of it. You know, I'm from Missouri uh, where a lot of the, the thing you do when you get out of high school up there, most kids I went to high school with, two, my, my two very best friends didn't go to college. They went to they went into a trade. One of them builds substations out on the road. The other one's his brother. He is a, a big electrician. He puts in central systems. They both have boats, four-wheelers, have a nine-to-five job, have fun, whatever. I, I go home, and I think, gosh, that would be so fun just to work and you know drive a boat on the river all summer and drive four-wheelers and hunt and all that. And then I think, but... If you're going to do that, there's going to be no time for roping for a living. You're going to have to have one or two horses, and you're going to have to rope when you can. Be very content being a little bit, going to a couple amateur rodeos in the summer up there, going to the slides on the weekends, and that's where you're going to be. You can't have both. And so I think that's what them guys mean when they say you have to be all in. There's no... You have to... This is your job. This is how you make your money, selling some horses, roping, you know, winning, that's how you make your money. And so yeah, a guy has to dig down deep and decide, do I want to be a working man that ropes a little bit for fun and have some success and maybe not? Or do I want to devote my life to roping? You know? Right. And and that's what's so, it's so hard about the sport. And it's like, it's just like really beautiful, but it's a crazy thing because the people that can do it, there's not a ton of money in this sport no and there's a huge sacrifice right and so the 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 rite of passage to get to that level is huge and and that's where i just have so much respect for guys that can do it and, and continue to do it because 
that is what their purpose in life is. Yes. That is what is in their heart to do. And they followed it and they figured out the ways to make it work. The expenses are extraordinary and the the results are not always guaranteed. You're not, you know, there's obviously there's no salary in being uh, a roper. Absolutely not. And, and that's what I, I think is, is really unique. But I also think that taking advantage of it in the time of like the prime years of your life, if that's what you think you might want to do, I say pursue it. And, and that's where the losing is really, really important. It, it's the most important thing. I cannot stress it enough, right? Because if you're out there rodeoing and it's July, oh, let's just say you get done at Spanish Fork and it's 105 degrees and you're just sweating and you've drove a lot of miles and you're fixing to drive another eight or 10 hour drive, you got it and, and you haven't won anything and you've been losing and you've been getting your butt kicked and you're still liking it or you're still like gritty about wanting to get through this that's when you know, hey, um, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Exactly. And, and the other thing I think what you're going to find is whether you are successful or not or you retire from roping after 5, 10, 20 years or whatever, like you accomplish that goal, when you move on to the next thing, you know how mentally tough you are. Exactly. And, and you've got this to build on, like, I mean, I'll just, I'll just be real honest. Like X Factor Roping has competitors, right? Right. Oh, yeah. We're a really hard company to beat out because I've rodeoed. If they were rodeoing, I'd be scared of them. But they're yeah. not They're not rodeoing. They don't know what it's like to to be able to ask, your, ask yourself questions why I'm doing this. And the only answer is I like it. I really like what I'm doing. Right. I, I, I love what I'm doing. But when you run the numbers and you just you're physically and mentally like it's draining. That's when it, it there's no logical answer there. Right. You're freaking crazy. Right. Right. And, and I think that's what's so cool about uh, this that you can get out of it. That's what I get out of it is you build this fortitude and, and you can continue to build it. And then on top of it, as you like get experience it right now, right? You're, you're able to climb this ladder and get these, these wins, like placing at the, the Cody Neesmith rope and how good does it feel, right? Oh yeah. It, it's one of the best feelings in the world, knocking heads with the, the best guys in the world and coming out with money and testing yourself in the fire. Do you try to test it and test yourself outside of competition, like practicing, doing other things? Do you try to get competitive in other ways? I, I do. I'm a pretty competitive person, and I, I try to push myself. Like I haven't been doing as much as I should lately, but um, I, I've gotten tried to make myself getting the habit of go to Planet Fitness and, and at run or do something, Just be active. It's only going to make me better as a person. Um, or, or my physical fitness, you know, it's only going to make my physical fitness better, but there's some things I can do with it. You know, when I get on that treadmill and I've ran, I've say a mile and a half, I try to run two miles. When I get to that mile and a half and I'm only running, I have it set at probably seven and a half miles an hour. I'm at a slow jog. I say, okay, you've ran a mile and a half already. Push yourself right here, be somebody. And I'll turn it up to nine or 10 and make myself full on sprint the last half a mile after already jogging a mile and a half. But 
I think that's how I keep my mind working, keep my mind, my mental. It's all, it's all mental. It's all a mindset. I think that's how I part of how I keep it going. Is just little stuff like that. Make pushing myself. That's back to how making yourself get up early. It's it's a mindset of pushing yourself to get up early. That's it's a good feeling whenever all your chores are done and you look at your phone and it's only about seven thirty and you're like, I got all day to do whatever I want. Stalls are cleaned, horses are fed. Tails are washed out, fly sheets are on, whatever it may be, you know. So I, I think there's a lot of things you a guy can do in his daily routine to push himself that makes him better in all aspects, even in your roping. And you don't know you're doing it at the time, but, like, I can see it in certain stuff, you know. Yeah, and it, it just builds. It builds. And, and that's the thing is your phone might ring one of those mornings – and it might be a guy that needs a run. And or it might be a professional healer that you know that you would like to jackpot with and he yeah. needs some he needs someone and you're ready. And you never know when the call's coming. So you're just always on on go for that. Well man, I appreciate you coming out here and getting on the podcast with me. I know uh I know we uh it's kinda always entertaining <laughs> to see what's going on at my house when we do these things, but uh no, thanks again. 